Hey everyone, thanks for listening to Marriage Lab. If you are feeling stuck uh, or wanting to work on something specific around your emotional health, relational health, uh, things in your marriage, uh, or just really going after things and you've felt some blocks uh, in different areas of your life, Jenna and I do coaching um, for individuals and couples. Uh, for Individually, I do a lot of emotional um, and relational health coaching, and Jenna does a lot of uh, habit coaching specifically. She has a, a master mastery habit mastery course that she does um, uh, over a twelve week period that there's been incredible results from. Um, and we also do couples coaching for pre-marrieds, uh, engaged couples, uh, dating couples, and married couples. Uh, so you can check that out on zintsquad.com. That's Z-I-N-T Squad. Dot com uh, and book a session there if that is something you're interested in. Um, while you're at it, check out my book, Numb to Known, on Amazon. We'd also love it if you would uh, subscribe to the podcast and review it, rate it, share it with friends. That's super helpful in getting the word out. Thanks a lot. And one last quick word before we start. Uh, we had issues with our audio, so this was all done through our computer rather than through our normal professional microphone so uh, it doesn't sound the normal quality but uh, I'm sure you'll be able to forgive it because we have the hills on and they're incredible so enjoy we've never seen a perfect marriage but we have seen marriages that are full of laughter and life conflict and misunderstandings growth and hope we want to dive into the nuts and bolts of those relationships there are no experts here just real talk with real couples who really like each other. This is Marriage Lab with Aaron and Jenna. Welcome to Marriage Lab. The Hills are back again. Thank you so much for being here. You're our only repeat guest so far. Uh-huh. And now we're, we're at a three-peat right now, which is awesome. <laughs> yeah. Also our, our best, uh, listen, our most listened to episode every time you're on. So yeah. we're always there for more 2022 else. we just got some stats back and said the connection codes episode last year so fantastic yeah. thanks for being on again yeah, yeah well we delighted. love it so yeah. much and we just are so proud of you guys for what you do and just the truth that yeah. you bring and mm-hmm. you know the challenges of just sharing your own story and then you know making a difference because i think that that is you know even looking back on our 40 years of marriage where we started no one would talk about it. No one would talk mm. about sex. No one would touch it. And it created and has created so much pain mm. in our, you know, relationships. And so we just yeah. love when we have opportunities to get on other people's podcasts mm. and and talk about this subject. So, yeah, yeah, that's so good. Well, you know, Valentine's Day is coming up fairly soon-ish. Um, and, uh you guys, I, Dr. Glenn is a clinical sexologist. Dr. Glenn's a clinical sexologist. And uh, Phyllis, you're married to a clinical sexologist. Um, <laughs> but also, you guys have lots of experience in the sex world. Um, and beyond just the sex part of it, uh, the what what can you talk about like some of the expectations that people usually bring to this day or their feelings around it in all areas of life? Yeah, well... Hmm. You know, even going back to the early years of our marriage, it was in a lot of ways a really painful holiday because there's so much expectation. Mm -hmm. And I I remember, you know, Glenn would 
would do the thing, right? He would bring home the box of chocolates and he would bring home the red roses. And for me, it was, and I didn't have a voice. I didn't share what I really needed or wanted Mm. back then. I just thought he would figure it out. But I know for me, February was like chocolates. No, I gave up chocolate in January. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want chocolates. I'm always, you know, trying to avoid sugar or trying to, you know, mm-hmm. you kind of come off the holidays, the the December month where you've kind of consumed a whole lot of sugar and chocolates and all the goods. And so you go into the new year going, oh, I got all these goals. And then here comes February and mm-hmm. Valentine's. And it's like, oh, but you're supposed to give each other or, you know, he's supposed to give me chocolates. And so um, it was like a miss right off the bat. And there was so mm-hmm. much pressure always. And then for me, Red Roses was like, they're just going to die in a few days and they are expensive. And our early life, married life, we didn't have that kind of extra money. And so it was kind of that thing. And then I always felt the pressure. Well, you know, now it's got to be all about sex, Valentine's Mm -hmm. Day. So whether I'm there mentally or not, whether we are in a fight or not, Mm. it's Valentine's Day. And You know, it's like, I think for a lot of people, there's just a lot of pain around that disappointment almost like, and then if you are listening and you're single, oh my word, Valentine's day is so painful because you're, you're not in a relationship. There's no romance in your life. And, and of course, even for married people, you could go, there's no romance in our life. And we're supposed to celebrate this day. That's all about romance. And so, you know, there's a pain factor that kind of like that's where we wanted to start in the podcast today, just Mm -hmm. to acknowledge that for a lot of people, this is not a fun holiday. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we've been on several podcasts lately, just talking about that, like the challenge of just saying, I need to show up and say what I need Mm -hmm. in that. Mm -hmm. What what would I have joy in? What would be fun for me? And, and to kind of, I think we so often think, well, he should just know, or, well, she should just Mm. know. And then we, we go into that, just really setting ourselves up for just pain instead of going, let's talk about it. What do we want to do? And, you know, do we want to get a reservation somewhere? Then let's do it now and let's plan. Or do we want to go on a picnic or, you know, do we, what do we want to do? And, you know, it's one of those holidays, especially if you have children, then it's like, what, we get a babysitter? Everybody's trying to get a babysitter for Valentine's Day. And so Hmm. it's kind of that so easily can just set us up for disappointment. And then Mm -hmm. the day after, especially now where social media is all about, well, let's get that picture. And then you compare and you're going, well, look what he did for her and you didn't Mm -hmm. do anything for me. And then there's that other factor. And it's all a made-up thing. It's a made-up holiday that, you know, we we kind of go, well, it's what we're supposed to do. So we're going to do something. Mm-hmm. But really that so often just leads to pain. Can I ask a question around like sharing? Say, for example, you're like, well, I, this actually would bring me a lot of joy in Valentine's Day. Can, can you do this? Um, I know some of the, like we've experienced this ourselves and we've heard people talk about it that when, if I share, I want you to do this or I would like you to do this specific thing. Say it's not a... Uh, you know, uh, it's more of a logistical thing that I think would bring me joy, but then feeling like, yeah, but I had to tell them. 
So is it really an act of love if they're just doing what I tell them? Like some of the resistance to actually being met after I express a need. Um, have you experienced that with people and, uh, and or like how would you speak to that? Yes, but the more and more authentic people are, the, the reason that that doesn't work, the reason that doesn't sell is because they're not used to being authentic and conveying. Because if you think about the human condition, there's not a 12-month-old on the planet that doesn't convey need. And they convey it in the moment, instantly, every time, absolutely. Well, then the 12-month-old is not going, well, mom's only feeding me because I conveyed that I needed to be fed. Well, sure. uh, that's exactly what, you know, well, dad's only changing my diaper because I conveyed to him that I needed my diaper. And, well, yes, that, that is true. So when that, and I get what you're saying, and, and, it, and we tell people, you know, this is going to be a shift for you. Uh, we mm -hmm. call it walking sideways. People have been walking sideways emotionally so long that it feels awkward whenever they walk forwards. Uh, you know, if you mm -hmm. think about it, if you'd always walk sideways, it's just muscle memory. And you can yeah. get out of a chair and you start walking sideways. I'm like, no, 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 Aaron, dude, remember we were bipeds. We walked forward. You're like, oh, yeah, I forgot. So it's just muscle memory. So we have been presenting ourselves inauthentically so long that for me to then, and I remember when this shifted so much in our relationship, for me to start conveying authentically, it's like, well, that's weird. You know, I'm trying to speak Japanese. Well, I don't speak Japanese. So now I say, I'm actually, I'm learning Potawatomi, which Phyllis is a Potawatomi uh, Native American. And um, so we're learning Potawatomi. Well, it sounds weird. I mean, we say these words, and for some reason, the Potawatomi is a, a three-syllable word. I mean, a three-letter word in English is like six syllables in Potawatomi. So it's uh, um, so, but it always feels awkward. Well, yeah, it's going to for a while. I mean, probably for a year or two before we get used to saying words uh, in, in Potawatomi. So. Yes, this will be awkward. This will seem like, well, wait, I had to tell him. Okay, well, instead, just have him guess. Just have him. <laughs> when we say with couples, we do, um, we call it the number game. Yeah, we're, you know, Jenna's trying to guess the number that Aaron's thinking of. She could guess it, you know, number zero to 100. She might guess it. She goes, uh, 57. He's like, yes, it's 57. The odds of that are very, very small. Whereas if he just tells her, babe, I'm thinking of the number 57. What number do you think I'm thinking of? And she goes, uh, 57? He's like, ding, 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 have a winner. So I get it. we've set this weird, uh, I think, dysfunctional, unhealthy pattern up in our culture. But, and we don't believe in 100%, there's no such thing, but the huge, huge, way over 90% of the time, Phyllis and I just convey what's happening with us authentically. We convey the need and we just rock and roll. And we don't even notice anymore. I mean, there's never, uh, and I don't like saying never, but there's never a moment anymore where I'm like, well, I wish she hadn't told me. I wish I could have just guessed at what her need was. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sometimes I think of it too, like, even if it's awkward, like you said, I'm like, oh, actually, if my goal is for us to be connected, I'd rather uh, me help him yeah. so that we can get there together. Like, I, I want us to be connected. So if it makes it a win for him, and like, I win too. So like, oh, it's, it's going towards connection. I want to win regardless. So yeah. counting it still, you know. Well, you yeah. know, it is interesting. Just like I think about, and I don't know, I'm sure this is true for your children. When it's time for their birthdays, they talk about it oh, yeah. so far in advance. Mm -hmm. And they start telling you what they want for their birthday. Not as in gifts, so even but like they want to go to Chuck E. Cheese. They want to have a mm -hmm. swim party. They want 
so-and-so and they list their friends. We want this guy, this, and it's just, they're so specific. We have a three-year-old granddaughter who has a birthday on April 1st. And I was with her this week and she said, uh, I'm telling her goodbye. And she goes, I want you to come to my birthday. And I'm thinking, oh, precious, that is so far away. And yet in her mind, she wants to go ahead and make sure that I am going to be at her birthday. You know, mm. and it's just, it's so incredible with children, how easily they convey their authentically, authentically yeah. like their wants, their needs. And yeah. then we get to a place in adulthood where we really want everyone to just know mm. our needs. And then we feel wounded when people don't know yeah. our needs. Yeah. 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 And well, it, it makes yeah. life really complicated. And mm. I know that for me, early on in our married life, I didn't, he would try so hard. Like he would bring home the roses yeah. and the chocolates, just like all the ads told you to do. And then I would fake smile like, oh, thank you. But he could sense that I was something. And so he always thought, well, she's just mad at me because, um, mm. and then he would make up something else, not even associating it to the chocolate and the flowers. He would just go, well, you know, she's just mad at me. And I didn't know how to be authentic. And so it was always a painful thing. And eventually mm. he's like, okay, I, I know what she doesn't like. I finally figured it out. She doesn't like chocolates and she doesn't like, roses but i never did say what i would like mm -hmm. and so then it was like just this difficult thing and and it's because i number one didn't even allow myself to think well what would i enjoy it's like for me it was a i don't want to go there because i don't want to need i don't want to need anything so I'm not going to even tune in to my need and i'm just going to go no that's a stupid holiday let's just not celebrate it mm -hmm. And it's like, I just kind of, in that, especially that holiday, it was like I was throwing out the baby with the bathwater. Mm. It was too painful. And I didn't want to say, this is what I would like. And it's mm. taken me so many years to actually be authentic and show up right. for that. Yeah, that's the key is that she is safe with me now to tell me. Yeah. For decades of our relationship, we weren't safe with each other. So there was no way I was going to reveal myself authentically, vulnerably. I didn't feel safe with her. She didn't feel safe with me. And just so you know, I guarantee you, at Ruby Ray's, our three-year-old granddaughter, at her birthday party, she is not going to go, well, honey, the only reason that you came to my party is because I told you about it. <laughs> yeah. Like it doesn't count for yeah. some reason. Yeah. I mean, that is true. That's the only reason we're there. <laughs> but she is more than delighted to announce mm -hmm. to anybody and everybody what she wants to do, uh, you know, who she wants to be there, you know, whatever it is that she wants to do. And there's not going to be anything within her that goes, well, you know, we're only having cupcakes for my birthday party because I wanted cupcakes. That is true. That's the reason we're having this. Yeah. So, but again, yeah. when we're not safe with each other, I would rather her guess and guess correctly. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. <laughs> the odds of that are pretty close to zero. Yeah. It's been interesting, though, because I've also heard people say, though, that it feels more vulnerable, like they don't do it this way because it feels more vulnerable to express it and the person not meet it, like they feel super wow. exposed. So even if they know it, they won't share because at least they're disappointed because the person didn't know. So it makes sense. Like the disappointment 
is almost like governed versus mm-hmm. having a need. What would you say to that when people have the experience of trying to be vulnerable, not met with safety? That's way more painful. So it's almost like a lens. They're like, they almost make an internal valve. I'm not going to do that again. It hurt too much. So I won't try again. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, some of the science on that, um, and you know, we're, we, we can't force, uh, other people. We, we all, every human has the right of request. Every human has the right of refusal. So whenever I convey something to fellow, she has the right of refusal and she may just genuinely forget. But I do know this. If I convey to her my joy experience in it, and literally, if I just go, oh, baby, I feel so much joy about this, uh, whatever mm-hmm. this is, it activates the pleasure center in her brain. She experiences joy on a lesser level than I do, but it becomes a shared human experience. And now that she remembers that because there's an emotion uh, that's connected, or the memory is connected to the emotion. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and what our research shows that even if I said to her, uh, you know, well, babe, it'd be really great if this. Well, that's not wrong to say. It's not evil, but it doesn't activate her brain the same. If I say to her, I feel so much joy about this idea, it activates her brain differently. It triggers the pleasure center in her brain, and then it becomes a joy experience for her as well. Now, again, she doesn't have to do uh, the thing. You know, we share a ton of that stuff on our podcast and, uh, you know, the masterclasses and stuff. Uh, I, I love poker. Uh, I'm a pokerholic. Phyllis despises poker. Uh, and I say to her occasionally, I'm like, babe, I feel so much joy about the idea of you playing in this poker tournament with me. And she goes, oh, yeah, I get that. Well, okay. Uh, well, ain't happening. I'm never playing. <laughs> and I go, oh, sad. And she goes, yeah, I get the sad. Uh, and again, that's an 18-second interaction between us. So she doesn't have to do the thing. Uh, and I get it. She, I love poker. She can't stand the idea of sitting there. What a ridiculous waste of life to <laughs> play a poker tournament. By the way, I came in second. I came in second in our big poker tournament last night. Way time. to go. Nice. Next <laughs> time you guys come, you have to do a game of Jerry. Oh, yeah, we have. Last night, we can enjoy not playing together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go on a walk or something. So yeah. what, I, what, what I hear you saying in that, and tell me if this is correct, is the, it's, you guys talk about, hey, when we focus on logistics, we're missing the big thing. Like most of it is behind about the pain that's behind the logistics or the emotion that's behind it. So when we go, hey, you know, I really want you to, I want to make sure, I want you to make sure that you do this thing for this Valentine's Day, my birthday, whatever, some expectation um, that's expressing logistics versus the, I feel joy at the idea of this is starting to get back to the emotional side. So, okay. Can you actually demo it real quick? So Phyllis, think about something you would like to have happen for Valentine's Day and how would you present it in that formula? Well, not formula, but context to Glenn. Okay, but wait, can I? So I'll do something oh, yeah. in real time. Um, yeah. Phyllis has the, I won't say the name brand because I don't want to get sued, but um, Phyllis <laughs> has this, these types of towels that she loves. Well, she hung one up yesterday, and I think they're laminated or something like they don't absorb, <laughs> they don't actually absorb water. And, it has uh, that beef with the towels too. Yeah. I haven't even told her this yet, but she put one right beside the kitchen, I mean, the um, bathroom sink. So that, you know, you go to dry your hands and it doesn't. And it just spreads it. <laughs> just wipe on your pants. Um, but, but I hate those towels. Well, I've never conveyed to her the pain experience. It's a sad experience. Uh, and don't tell her I told you all this. But later today, I will mention it to her and I'll go, hey, that's a pain experience, those towels. 
Uh, and I, I guarantee you, she'll go, oh, what happens with the pain? What, what am I missing there? And I'll go, well, they're laminated and, you know, <laughs> I, I just I don't like them at all. And then she will do what we call the fourth phrase. She'll go, oh, so what do you need? I'm like, can we do a different type of towel there? And she'll go, yeah, sure, absolutely. And that will be a 20-second interaction. We will have connected through it. Now, she has the right of refusal. She has the right to say, no, we have to use these type of towels here. But she adores me. She doesn't really care that much about the towels. And she recognizes if it's a pain experience for me, absolutely, you know, we'll do something else. And again, I could say to her something like, you know, oh, I just hate these towels. And now we're off to the races. Well, what's interesting, even if he said, or go back to Valentine's Day, I think often we hint at what we want and we miss it. Like, even if Glenn says to me, man, I hate these towels, that does not register something that I need to change. It just doesn't. Like, I almost don't hear it. Mm -hmm. But if he expresses an emotion, like, wow, I feel a lot of pain about this towel. I'm going to stop and like, almost like my ears perk up. And I'm like, whoa, what's the pain? What's happening with you? And then he'll tell me and I'll be like, oh, wow. Mm I've missed that, which he'll, you know, in a sense, it's almost like, how in the heck did I miss that? Well, we could go down that road and that's just logistical. Then we can fight about how I missed it, right? Well, that doesn't help any either. It's just, I just missed it. And then for me to be able to go, so what do you need? And then he goes, well, can we actually just like give those away so that they're never in the rotation? And can we just get on Amazon and order some towels? Like, is there, are we short on towels? Is that why that one comes through again every once in a while? And then it's like, oh, absolutely. Like, but it's not yeah. that it's thrown on me. It's, right. it's such a sure. different thing. If he walks to the room and he just goes, oh, I hate those towels. I don't even register that as something I'm supposed to do anything about. Yeah. Me, it's like, okay, whatever. I'm almost like I don't hear it. And that's what I think happens sometimes with Valentine's Day or your birthday Mm -hmm. or Christmas, whatever, where you may in passing say something, but it's not communicated in a way that actually connects to. It's almost like what you were saying, Aaron, that it just sounds like logistics. Mm -hmm. And so when you actually express the joy factor, It just, it's like there's a brain, it, it fires differently yeah. in the listener's just, brain. That's science. Yeah, absolutely. And also, and this is how we operated for years, and this is the way most relationships operate. You know, I go to dry my hands on this thing, and I go, oh, I can't believe you put this out. <laughs> now we're headed to a war. Uh, because yeah. I just consulted her. You know, I told her she's stupid, she's wrong, she's bad, whatever. Didn't say those words, but that's what gets conveyed. Yeah, it's the message. And now she's being attacked, so she, by definition, is going to be defensive. And now, who knows? Literally, 30 seconds later, we're completely going at it over a freaking towel. It doesn't matter. And again, we did that thousands and thousands and thousands of times. It just is stunning to me to think, how much pain how much trauma did we experience in that? And again, we just didn't know. We had the wrong tools. Mm-hmm. We had no idea. Uh, whereas if I can just come at her, because I do, I feel pain about it. I'm not trying to feel pain. I just feel pain. And she doesn't feel pain. She feels joy. Yeah. She does. But mm-hmm. we just dance through that very, very quickly because we convey uh, at the core very quickly. And 
the fact that humans connect through emotions, not through logistics. Logistics are real. They exist. I'm not saying they don't exist. But humans do not connect relationally through logistics. We have to cover them. Otherwise, we never get anything done. Uh, but we connect relationally through emotions. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Just real quick, you okay? But with you, Hill, Phyllis, you said hint, and then your example was passive aggressive. Like I hate these tasks. Is that often what hinting is? Like beating around but not addressing it or not owning it vulnerably? Would you say? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. And I don't even know that we know that's what we're doing. Mm, you know, right. it's it's just such an unawareness that for many of us, we learned it in our families of origin. And it's like, we don't even realize that that is what we do, but you know, and of course we've not really touched sex yet, but this is such a great bridge into Mm -hmm. our sexual relationship where we just think the other should know. And Mm -hmm. I know that's, that's even taught like really just that, Oh, you'll figure it out. And, and you know, there's of course, even in um, Hollywood and movies and books, and it's all presented that it just happens magically. Yeah, and everyone's so well, uh, knows each other so well the moment they meet that they know how to do this, turn this way. It's like, dance. like everyone else comes into marriage knowing how to dance and Aaron and I like stepping on hair and pulling. You're like, oh, I don't want to Yeah, absolutely. And, right. and even, you know, uh, we, for the listeners that don't know, you know, we've created several masterclasses and one of them is just on sex. And it really talks about these things in a super practical way because we just miss, we've been so miseducated. And I know, uh, you know, as a female, I came into marriage thinking it was all Glenn's responsibility, not mine. And I you know, the thought of knowing my own pleasure centers was like, no way. He just should know. Men should know. And I was, you know, even the idea of, uh, no, you should teach him. It's like, what? I don't know my own body. I don't know what I enjoy. And, you know, we just thought in such a naive way that it's magic. It literally just happens. Like, and, and then, you know, there's also this message that took us forever to figure out, like you see back then it was like, Oh, you know, here's what sexy is like the, it's the, it's a certain lingerie. If you just wear lingerie, you're going to feel sexy. Well, that never worked for me. And it was like, I, I feel so critical of myself Mm. when I would wear lingerie that, that I didn't feel sexy. I felt almost embarrassed. I felt shame. I felt like uncomfortable. And so from the get go, it was like, I just concluded it turn off all the lights and it needs to be pitch black Mm. and, and just things like that, that really set us up so horribly from our honeymoon on until we were able to actually break it all down. And, you know, we had to, really learn so much in how to communicate needs sexually. And and I love even the way Glenn has already said it, like what's radically changed for us is when he's able to just say, oh, I feel so much joy. And then he'll tell me his sexual fantasy, his sexual thought, and, and I'll smile and I'll go, oh, yeah. And my acknowledging his joy does not mean right now, you know, drop everything 
and make that happen. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, it's like we connect so deeply just having that safe place where he can express or I can express my joy mm-hmm. or my loneliness. You know, there's mm-hmm. times when I'll say, oh, I just am feeling really lonely sexually and he'll tune in big time and he'll be like, Oh, what's happening with that? And I'll be like, well, we've just been crazy busy mm. and it's all been like quickies. And, you know, mm. I just, when we set aside more time and then we can connect on that. And I've just expressed my need and it, there's no hinting or, you know, in the, in the old days, it was all this hinting, like, mm. And and it was like the other was supposed to figure out what, what did that just mean, you know? Yeah, and most couples, um, and typically it's the the male, but it could be the female. You know, the the male goes, uh, uh, "So, babe, you want to do it?" And she goes, "No." He walked away, badly <laughs> wounded. She answered the question that he asked, but the question is a lie. Uh, the question is a misrepresentation of the truth. And again, I think, oh my gosh, we did that again thousands and oh, thousands yeah. of times. But that's not at all authentic. That's completely inauthentic. I'm asking her if she wants to do it, and she's going, no, no, I didn't even cross my mind all day, three days <laughs> running. That wasn't authentic at all. That's not what's happening. So for me to be able to convey to her, and and what Phyllis was talking about, uh, and I'm intrigued by this. I want to. It's an area of research in the next couple of years. I want to cover. We're amazed, and we're just pilgrims on the journey. We're learning stuff all the time. And we've been amazed the last couple of years how sexually connecting our sexual banter mm. is. Mm. Phil said, it doesn't mean we're going to do some sexual activity in the next few minutes. Uh, many months ago, I was in a grocery store, and I don't know if somebody set it up on purpose, but there were two cantaloupes uh, right beside each other in the little yeah. park circle uh, on the tip of the And um, I took a picture of it. And I said to Phyllis, I said, thinking of you. And she, <laughs> she said back, I don't know if it's a heart emoji or a fire emoji or something. Um, and I'm standing in a grocery store. I'm not even with the girl. And I feel so sexually connected to her. I'm like, and I, I always, you know, tease Phyllis about myself. I'm like, what kind of a cheap slut am I? I mean, I'm, 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 I'm really bad. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> you know, I, I, now I should be like, yeah, whatever. You know, I should be James Bond or something. But um, <laughs> I mean, he's like never moved about anything. But he's just yeah. stunning to me how sexually connecting that is. And we weren't even in the same zip code, right? So we're not doing anything sexually, uh, but it's so sexually connecting, just conveying at that level. Because I don't do that with anything, anybody else. I didn't send you the picture, Aaron. <laughs> Appreciate it. Yeah. Hey, Aaron, bring it to you, buddy. Um, <laughs> so, you know, she's uh, my one unique sexual friend. And just how sexually connected, but it's because we're at the core. We're at the authentic mm-hmm. level, totally vulnerable. Uh, and this is the reason we emphasize, uh, you know, doing our foundations masterclass first, because you have to get emotional safety. Because for me to send that to her, I mean, that's, you know, she could, uh, and she doesn't at all, but I mean, she could easily be like, you pervert, you're weird, that's stupid, can't believe you have that thought, you know, you freak. Yeah. Um, and again, she, it's not like that it hasn't been in a very long time, uh, but that's a risk. It's a it's a, a danger for me to share with her that way. But we're emotionally safe with each other, so I'm able to do that. That's a question I would have is that we I feel like I hear often about um, couples who usually it's the woman, the husband expresses not 
in the tools that we just express, but expresses some desire for sex. But the woman, it's like, well, we're not even connected. So I don't want to give you that. It's almost like this stalemate of, I know what you need. You know what I mean, but no one's going to make the first move. And then like, what do you, like, how do you address that? How do you, like, what do you say to those couples? We're like, he's not meeting my needs. So I'm not going to meet his, or I don't want to have sex because I don't feel like we're connected. Like what's your usual answer there? Well, again, a miseducation that we hear often is, you know, men need sexual connection. Women need emotional connection. And that's not true. Men need emotional connection and sexual connection. Women need emotional connection and sexual connection. But we have been so miseducated from early on in our society, in our families, in our churches, that we teach this lie and then we actually believe it. And we think that sex is for men, women don't need it. And then we kind of go down that road and we establish that. And and also with emotion, like we, we go, oh, men shouldn't be emotional. Men don't have emotion. And that's not true. Actually, if you're, if you're faith-based and, and you believe God is the designer of our bodies, it's like, wait a minute, we both equally have a region in our brain that houses emotion. Like that's male, male and female. And then our sexual needs are actually equal. It's just, they come out differently. And, you know, we've been designed so beautifully because we as women take longer to get activated which is such a gift if we see it that way, if we realize, mm. oh, that means we need to slow down and we need to really connect. And, you know, that's one of the things we teach in our late night masterclass is that the party, sex is designed as a party for the female and the male is invited. And we never get pushback on that at mm. all. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like men are like, okay, let's explore that. Yeah, yeah. which startles me when we first started teaching this years ago, I assume that there would be a certain percentage. I don't know if it's 1% or 20% or 30% of men who'd be like, wait a minute, it should be 50-50. I literally have never, I'm not saying they're not out there somewhere. I've never seen the man that goes, that that's against that. I, every yeah. man, every, he's like, shoot, yeah. That, and I always tell him, I'm like, hey, it's a buy one, get one free ticket. Don't worry, dude. You <laughs> yeah. I've never seen the man that's not like, sign me up. I am on board. Right. And what we've done for centuries is that we've made sex about the male. Uh, and it's just a chance for him to get his rocks off. She's just supposed to show up and spread them and be available. And that will never uh, work. Uh, and it's not that they can't have sexual activity. They can. And it's not that there can't be pleasure in that. But there's not going to be dynamic uh, sexual connection. And so, and again, we now know so much of this just based on science. Uh, and, and these are generalizations, which is always dangerous to do with human behavior. But because there are outliers, but the typical male is so much more frequently and readily, much more easily activated sexually. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and there are exceptions to that I get it, but the vast vast majority, uh, the typical male gets sec- can get sexually activated in ten to twelve seconds, mm-hmm. and the typical female is about ten to twelve minutes, and never the two will meet. Uh, and for us, because fellas can go a day, two days, three days, and literally not have a sexual thought. That's not because she's broken. It's not because she's bad. It's not because she's not attracted to me. She doesn't want to partner with me. It's just because she's female. And I don't know that I can go a full minute without having a sexual. <laughs> right. One of the very first studies I ever studied, um, this is back in, I don't even remember, probably the late 70s. 
but it said that men have a uh, sexual thought uh, every, I think it's 11 seconds. And uh, I read that research to Phyllis and uh, I said, that's absurd. That's so stupid. I said, I don't know men that are that self-disciplined that can go a full 11 seconds. <laughs> I don't. I don't think they exist. I think this research is inaccurate. Because so um, I'm thinking I have a sexual thought every two to three seconds. Uh, cantaloupes can kill yeah. sexual <laughs> That's the thing. Phyllis would be in that grocery store, see those cantaloupes, never yeah, have a sexual yeah. thought about them. Yeah. Well, I'm not trying to have a sexual joy experience. I do. And she's not trying to not have a sexual joy experience. She just doesn't. Uh, and one other note about that, real quick, just that. Um, it, it's my theory that uh, sex drive is virtually always and maybe always either sexual joy or sexual loneliness. Uh, and um, if we get it to the core emotion level, just for me to be able to convey to her, you know, who babe, feel a lot of sexual joy because I like you. I like playing with you. I like uh, sexual interaction with you. And I'm just flooded with joy. I'm not trying to feel joy. I just do. And if I can convey that to her, again, it activates the pleasure center of her brain, the shared uh, human experience, and we connect. That mm-hmm. or the other side of sexual loneliness for me to be able to say to her, a lot of sexual loneliness. You know, I miss you uh, sexually. Yeah. We've been busy. We got a lot of people in our home, and I just feel sexual loneliness is completely different, especially than me saying something like, you know, well, I guess you just don't have time for me, which is the way right. the vast majority of couples interact. Right. Yeah. Sorry, you're so busy. Sorry, I'm so low down on your priority list that you know you could never be available, never make time for me sexually. That's a guaranteed mm, doom yeah. uh, scenario. That's where most uh, couples function. Most well, and function. and we thought we thought about sex. I mean, that was the number one thing we thought yeah. about for the yeah. first two decades of our marriage. Not that long, a couple decades. Just a couple. A <laughs> but it's but it was all logistical, yeah. you know. And then it was it was almost like it was never enough. That's how I felt. Like it was just yeah, never yeah. enough. And I didn't realize that it was because we were missing the emotional component. We were missing the emotional connection. And, you know, we got pretty good at uh, like just even setting it up so that there was activity, sexual activity, you know, very, very regularly, but it's, it's just wasn't enough. It was like, it was never enough. And it was because we weren't emotionally connected at all. And it was like, and so it felt like pressure and it was this, it was the unspoken, like it was definitely early in our married life. I did a lot of rejecting. And so then Glenn was like, fine. Now it was almost like there was this expectation of me um, being the initiator, but it was like, mm-hmm. I never initiated enough. And yep. then it was never quite right. It was all the guessing. It was like what yeah. we were talking about with Valentine's day. It's like, if you're not actually just communicating your joy like I would feel so much joy if we'd go to the movies on Valentine's day and we would go to this restaurant or, you know, I have so much joy about the idea of staying home and you know, whatever it is, like or going on a hike or going out of town, like go get a hotel, like whatever that joy is to express it. It's like, Mm -hmm. wow, it just took all the guessing out, all the pressure and sexually it's the same thing. Like now Mm -hmm. we just show up with that. Like I don't have to, try to figure out what's happening for Glenn. Oh, it's been a few days. So let me make sure something happens. I'm not guessing anymore. I know Mm. he is just going to tell me and he knows I'm just going to tell him. And it's been so freeing. There's Mm. not the pressure. There's Mm. not the guessing. There's not the, Oh man. 
And I, and I think that we've just set ourselves up horribly. And then we kind of decide, well, it's just, I'm broken. That's one big conclusion or, oh, I just have a low libido or he has a high one or he has a low one or whatever we come up with. Yeah. And then instead of going, wow, that's a lot, that's a lot of pressure. And even the idea that we then think there's something wrong physically or wrong, like, and so we're all logistic. We're all, it's all logistical instead of realizing, you know what, we, we need to connect emotionally and we need to be able to communicate on that level. And, you know, I mean, we've, there's so much science that goes into the connection codes. The foundations is the one all about connecting emotionally. And we just, you know, beg people do that before you do the one on sex. Even if you think, well, our only issue is sex. It's like, yeah. You got to start with emotional connection, yep. but it's, it's, you know, we've even created a tool called the core emotion wheel that you got to use every day. Like mm. it's like one of those tools. And I know that, um, you know, Jenna, I love that about you, that you pursue health, you mm. pursue fun activities physically. Like you mm. want women to get out there and to do things. And mm. I love seeing you know, what you're about and, and just even the things that you post. And at times I'm, I know even when we've been together, you know, when you get a group of girlfriends and you guys go out on the, the water and you're doing all this stuff that I'm like, Oh my goodness, that is so incredible. And you know, it's that it's like for you, it's not a, yeah, once a year I try to do something physical. Mm. It's like, no, it's a part of your lifestyle. It's a part of who you are. Mm. And you know, the core emotion wheel is one of those things. It's like, yeah, it's something you do every day. And eventually it becomes just your language where you start so much of your, your verbiage, your sentences, your text messages with saying, Ooh, feeling some guilt that I didn't show up, you know, to your party or feeling some fear that uh, I haven't heard from you in a few days. I just want to check in. Like you begin to realize, wow, this just becomes a part of my language. But it's got to start with actually do it, using this tool so that you start to become curious about what's happening in your body, your brain. And it also helps you to release all of those emotions that have been stuck mm-hmm. and that you're storing them somewhere in your body. And eventually the body keeps the score and eventually mm-hmm. your body is going to say, I'm not happy with you anymore and I'm not going to show up and I'm going to break down. And so it's, this is such a powerful tool that we teach. Yeah. Would you recommend doing the core emotion wheel uh, via like sexual focus? Like, well, so. I would say it works incredibly on all levels. Now, okay. if, you know, definitely um, it's a great tool in, in the sexual arena. It's a great tool. If you, you know, to use that to connect before you're having a sexual encounter is super cool. But it's not limited to that. Mm-hmm. Like we have what we call the issue specific wheel. And um, it could be because you're stuck fighting about your mother-in-law or mm-hmm. the vacation that you're about to go on or a car you need to buy. But it can also be just everyday activity. And it's incredible to do if you have children to do with your children, because then you learn deep things that are within them that you might not hear otherwise. And so, yeah, there's so many ways to use the wheel. 
Okay. I think for us to realize it is such a long game. You could take the course, but then you have to implement it. But even like your family, like our parents and my communication started changing. And then we got enough traction that we could like do it with the kids. And then their communication started changing with each other. With us. And now it's cool seeing, like you said, how natural and we're not trying to use a tool. It's just part of our, like it's our, right. in our default. So like now I used to, when the kids got in the car after school, ask them how their day went. And then now I, I ask them, I'm like, oh, give me a joy moment. Give me a sad moment or give me a lonely moment. Like I just change it up. And it's cool seeing what I get. But now they started communicating. Like mm-hmm. we were picking up my preschooler and my oldest crossed a line that we're not meant to when, during pickup and started playing with some of the toys. And I didn't say anything when we left. And she was holding my hand. And she goes, mom, I feel some guilt because I knew better when I crossed the line. And, and like, we're our six-year-old saying that she felt lonely as the older, the oldest and the youngest played together and left her mm-hmm. out and then like just broke into tears. And I'm like, oh, like, this is like the seeds of, of you know, a year and a half of like using right. it so that we can get mm-hmm. here. And like, how much more are they going to be set up for success? Yep. Like, this is how they learn to communicate at the beginning. But I think the idea of like you're saying, like, it's good. It might be walking. It's like walking sideways and like the expectation of it's going to feel awkward. That doesn't mean it doesn't work. That doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. It's like, just got to keep practicing, learning this new way, but it's worth it. Like mm-hmm. yeah. we, we had a really cool experience just uh, recently where we were interviewing someone that is um, <clears throat> coming out with a book and he doesn't, he didn't know anything about the connection codes, but we wanted to interview him to, uh, promote his upcoming book, but we had him do the wheel on our podcast. Oh, nice. Oh, it was beautiful. And then he actually later on his social media page talked about it. He was, he was like, Whoa, that was incredible. Wow. And you know, that is such a cool experience for us when someone does it for the very first time that doesn't know much about the connection codes and just doing the wheel. He's like, man, I, I didn't know I was going to feel all this today. I didn't know I was going to talk about, you know, mm-hmm. stuff. And he was very transparent and, and real mm-hmm. in that moment. And it was beautiful. Wow. So, such a powerful tool with anyone. Like, yeah. you know, right. that's why I want to encourage your listeners. It's a powerful tool in friendship and business mm-hmm. and, yeah. you know, yeah. with your spouse, with your kids. Yeah. It's just really cool. Yeah. And again, taking this and applying it to the, in the sexual realm, you know, for, for, to be able to tell your partner, I feel some fear about that. I feel some pain mm. in that. But again, it takes incredible vulnerability. Yeah. Uh, and, and what, t- of course, what happened for us so many thousands of times, you know, Phyllis would just reject. And uh, mm. she'd go, oh, no, 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 no. And of course, she yeah, didn't have the tools, didn't have the language, and I certainly didn't either. To say to me, I feel some, some hesitation in that, hesitations of fear. I feel some fear about that. I feel some shame in that, whatever it is. And now she's able to do that. And that, I mean, I'm cueing to her like a laser because now I get what's happening with her. Uh, and, and get it, it's not, it's not wrong to say, I don't want to do that. Well, that's not wrong. Logistical, sure. you're describing the situation. If she's able to say to me, I feel some shame in that. Mm-hmm. And I do the three phrases and I go, oh, what's happening with shame? What am I missing here? She goes, well, it just kind of feels, you know, whatever. Like, oh, okay. And we dance incredibly uh, through that. And frequently, not always, but frequently, just her processing the emotion of that dissipates it. And, and yeah. now we're just rocking and rolling. Um, 
But yeah. it doesn't mean that we need to make a shift uh, in something, and we can do that as well. But it's a completely different experience than if we're just describing the situation, if we're just logistical. Yeah. So I think what you're describing, which I was going to ask, um, you said the fourth question is like the right of refusal. I would love more context of playing out how that works. If she, you know, I would, I feel sexual joy about blah, blah, blah. And then she, what's happening. And then maybe the fourth question, right? Refusal, like, okay, how would she say I don't want to? And then what happens next? Do you, I feel like instantly most people would feel an emotion based on the refusal do you acknowledge your emotion or at that example, you kind of just gave us, it sounded like you asked her more about what's happening to her with the refusal, but like, where does it go? Like, cause I feel like a lot of times would you say, if I refuse something that would probably evoke some emotion, my refusal would. Mm-hmm. So where do you go from there after the right of refusal? If it was refused. Yeah. I mean, uh, and I'm always hesitant with a little fear in saying this cause I don't want to bring harm to people in it. Um, and for both of us, but usually it's the female more. I mean, Phyllis hasn't refused anything sexually in years and years and years because we're just sexual friends. We're partners and we dance. Uh, and again, I don't ever want to present, whether it's the male or the female, I don't ever want to present that, oh, well, you have to do this now. Right. Not at all. We dance so well together that we just play. Uh, mm-hmm. And one of our goals, and we present this in our late night masterclass, one of our goals is that a couple is able to say, oh, we've never tried that before. Uh, and sometimes the rest of that sentence will be, and we'll probably never try it again. That was a weird <laughs> Sometimes they will try to go, we've never tried that before. And we didn't do it very well. We have to practice more. We'll do it six more times and we'll get good at it. And sometimes they'll say, we've never tried that before. And whoa, that rocked my world. But they only do that by experimenting. By, and, and what we've done mm-hmm. is we facilitate this communities. We're like, no, 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 there's a box. You have to stay inside this box. Don't step outside this box. We don't know who made the box. We think maybe it was God. We're not sure. But <laughs> you know, like, there's a box. And our whole perspective is there's not a box. Just have fun. It's just the two of you. Mm-hmm. Uh, we use the phrase all the time. We're not going to be there. We're not going to buy the video. So just <laughs> uh, And nobody gets a vote on what you do. Not the governor. Not your mom. Not your neighbor. Uh, just the two of you. There are two people on the planet that get to vote on what Jenna and Aaron do sexually. It's Jenna and Aaron. Uh, now, does yeah. that look different than what Phyllis and Glenn might do? Maybe. Uh, but guess what? You don't get to vote on what we do sexually. And if you happen to find us on Instagram or something, you go, oh, my gosh, well, look at what they did sexually. I'm just kidding. You know, <laughs> keep it wide. Like, <laughs> if somehow you heard about it, you're like, oh, Glenn and Phyllis are weird sexually. Okay. Well, we didn't ask you. We're not inviting you. So mm-hmm. you can think we're, you can judge us, but I don't really care. Uh, we're connected sexually and mm-hmm. you don't do it. I think yeah. practically going back, uh, Jenna, to what you were saying, the way it plays out for us, if Glenn expresses his sexual joy of, of just, you know, oh man, I've been fantasizing and wanting to play with you, but realizing there are times that logistically it's not possible. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. we, we are going into a schedule where it's not possible. So it's, it's, it is a, uh, what in the old days, anytime he approached me and again, he didn't use the language. Mm. It's joy. He would just say it. And I would feel panic Mm. like, Oh my gosh, I got to make this happen right now. We're going to have the biggest fight. And then, you know, maybe we're about to speak Mm. somewhere and it's like, we can't, we can't have a fight right now. So how in the world am I going to make this happen? And so Mm. there was so much, 
And, and a, you know, for me to show up sexually in a panic, my body oh, is wow. shut down totally. Yeah. And so I reacted in such an unhealthy way. Now we have a language where he will say, uh, oh, I feel so much sexual joy. And, and then he shares it. And I, and that's part of what we teach in the connection codes. I make space for that. I, it's called ooing. I verbally acknowledge what he's saying. And then I'll, you know, even can say, uh, oh, wow. Yeah, I get that. And I'm playful. And I'm like, oh, that does sound like so much fun. And then I know, and most likely he knows our schedule too, um, especially if we're like about to get on stage and speak. He knows this is not about to happen, but he was had the thought. So he's mm -hmm. playful and I'm playful in my response. Like, oh, can't wait till, you know, we can make that happen. But it's not even like logistically it's going to happen now. And then after we get done speaking, we're going to dinner with all these people. And then after that, we have a breakout session with other people. Like he knows that we're not getting back to our hotel room till midnight. And I'm asleep before I even get hit the pillow. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But we have that safety with each yeah. other where there's that sexual banter. And he knows he can share his sexual joy, even if he knows it's probably going to be two days before we have yeah, the sure. capacity to actually play. Yeah. So for us, back to your question, just that um, there's never a no. There are at times a not yet. Uh, but I can live with that. I, I mean, I get it. I'm a smart guy. I realize, okay, there's schedule. Now, if you're talking about specific sexual activity that, you know, one of the partners is just overwhelmed by, I, my dream is that that's still a not yet. It's like, oh, I don't, mm -hmm. I don't think I can do that now, today, yeah. this, this month. Uh, you know, we'll, <laughs> we'll get there. Um, but even then, and we'll just say it's the, 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 the wife that's just like, oh, not yet, not yet. For him to just ask you, so babe, what happens for you? Mm -hmm. We're right back to the three phrases. Oh, so, so what happens for you in that? Uh, you know, what am I missing there? Uh, and for her to process through the emotion that mm -hmm. blocks her uh, in that. Sure. that. For some people, that can be many weeks, months, a year or more. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's going to be years. Um, but for her to be able to process through the emotion that's blocking her from being able to be free and mm -hmm. unabandoned, sure. or, what it, abandoned or unabandoned. Yeah, anyway, whatever you could have yeah. just, just completely liberated that, yeah. you know, for both partners, they're just wild, crazy sexual friends and they just do stuff. And again, later they make up. Yeah. We'll probably never do that again. That's fine. <laughs> uh, you only discover those things through just trying. And I always say to couples, you know, if you're not finding those things that you don't like, you're not trying hard enough. Um, sure. yeah. And for most couples, I mean, I have over 30,000 seat hours. The vast majority of couples, they have one or two items on their menu. Uh, we always talk about going to a restaurant, you open the menu, and there's one item on it. And you're like, well, there's only one item. Like, oh, but sir, it's the best of this item in the world. Yeah, but there's only one item on the menu. Why would you even hand me a menu? It's the only thing you have available. So that one item may be fine. But I'd like to have an op some options. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I may never sure. choose item number 17, but there's a menu on here and I get to pick. And maybe I'll mm -hmm. choose item number 17 two years from now. And I try it and I don't like it. I'm like, well, no wonder I never ordered that because I don't like it. Or I try it and I'm like, dang, 
have been ordering this item all this time. So it's just the, the freedom, the liberty, the uh, just the opportunity to explore and just have fun mm. on the sexual adventure together. Uh, and that's what makes it so rich and accelerating. Yeah. That's so, so good. Do yeah. Do them. Um, yeah. Would you, would you uh, do us the honor of walking through the core emotional, giving us an example of what that looks like? Around sex though, right? If you're willing. Yeah, we'll do an issue-specific wheel, uh, and it'll be on sex. But before we do that, I want to make sure you know that um, for those that are listening, we've kind of mentioned our master classes, and we have a coupon code um, ZENT20 that gives you 20% off. <clears throat> and I know you guys will put that in the show notes yeah. and um, emphasize how to find the master classes because I know some people might be really interested in that. Yeah, we want to make sure that they that they take advantage of the coupon code that will give them twenty percent. Z i n t two zero. Yes. Yeah, and I just want to convey to people. Of course, if you have listeners who don't know who we are, you know what do we know? Uh, but I'm telling you, uh, I've been in this field over thirty years. I've never seen anything like uh, the connection codes, like the the late night uh, masterclass. And we're so passionate about this because we live it. And mm -hmm. I'm stunned. And we remember the pain. We remember yeah. the trauma. And the reason that we're passionate about this is because we want people to not experience the uh, disaster mm -hmm. that our life was. And 24 hours before our wedding, we were excited about Happily Ever After. And 48 hours after our wedding, we were shell-shocked and thinking, mm -hmm. oh, my goodness, what have we signed up for? Yeah, wow. When I was 20 years old. I figured I'd die when I was 90, although I was hoping it'd be sooner at that point. And I'm like, I just signed a 70-year contract with this woman, and I already don't like it. Mm -hmm. And it's very much easier for, for her. And people don't have to go through that. Uh, people yeah. do not have to live in that just excruciating pain. And most couples do. Uh, there are very few couples, you know, again, every couple, 24 hours for their wedding, they're just like, oh, it's a fairy book story. It's so beautiful. I've never been to the wedding where they don't think that. Every couple thinks that it's, they're, they're different and it's the love of a lifetime. And then sometime, for us, we were the worst than most because we're 48 hours later. But for so many couples within days, weeks, months, even if it's a year or two, they dissipated into a level mm -hmm. that they never thought that they would get. Mm -hmm. We want to change that culturally, and we can do that. Yeah. Keep going, Hill. Do it. Do it. <laughs> well, you're responsible for about 190,000 people for the, in the next 10 years. So it's a global movement, and we're, we just need everybody to yeah. do this because you deserve it. And number two, to share it with other people. Okay. Formation yeah. we all need specific on sex now. Sex in general. Only right now on the podcast. That would be awkward. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, okay. So for me, um, I just can't help but start with joy. So much joy. I'm just blown mm. away, floored uh, that we could be here. Yeah. Uh, so you know, we remember all the pain, the trauma, mm. the disaster. Yeah. And uh, I'm just, I don't know, it's just yeah. exhilarating for me that this is not even possible. 
lot of anger uh, that we missed it, that those around us didn't help us, uh, that there, yeah. I don't know if there just wasn't any help or what, but uh, and anger about yeah. our culture. It's like we just leave people to drown. Yeah. Uh, and, and they do. They yeah. drown. They're overwhelmed. We're just like, well, well we don't talk about sex. Uh, a lot of shame, guilt and shame that I miss so badly with you. I was clueless. Mm. I mean, dumb as a brick. Uh, not on purpose. I just didn't know. And uh, I miss with you for so long, years mm. and years and years, uh, that it took for us to get a hit. Mm. Uh, and I just accepted that I was happened to accidentally marry a broken person. Yeah. And I convinced you of that. I mean, it's mm. such a disaster. Uh, fear that we convey poorly sometimes to people. Uh, I want people to have a vision. I'm 61 years old, mm. and I want people to just say, oh, dang. Mm. <laughs> um, I call it, get back to the joy, because this is unbelievable. Mm. I'm just startled and stunned. And, and fear that people don't believe that that's mm. possible. They think we just won the war. Yeah. Mm. Loneliness in that quest, uh, there's not a lot of voices out there. That are saying uh, a sixty-year-old or a fifty-year-old or whatever, and have the most phenomenal yeah. dynamic sexual connection that they uh, mm. ever experienced. A lot of sadness in that. I mean, the the level, mm. the working definition of marriage is just pitiful. Mm. I always say, basically, our cultural working definition of marriage is two people live at the same address for an extended period of time. Mm. That's really, really. Wow. Um. Hurt, it, it is a sharp stabbing pain that that's where we are culturally. And uh, mm. I just want people to know there's mm. something so, so, so far mm. uh, beyond that. I haven't experienced sexual hurt with you in, in years. I have no idea how many years. Mm. Which again, it's startling to me because I'm like, oh my gosh, I used to experience sexual hurt with you I think every six hours or something. Yeah. It's just yeah. a continual, ongoing thing. Yeah. And now, um, not that it could yeah. never happen, but it just doesn't. It doesn't wow. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, okay. For me, I feel guilt that I overscheduled us this week mm. and we missed our uh, sex date. Oh, don't say that out loud. My gosh, mm. woman. Well, we did. I Shoot. did. Get <laughs> that out, Aaron. I really missed it. And, and I've connected to that. I feel a lot of joy though, because when I express my sadness with you about missing our sex date, your response was so beautiful mm. and just that you, it just washed over you. Mm. And I think I still live in some fear yeah. because of our past and yeah. because of our first 20 years that our biggest fights were over sex. Yeah. So uh, even to yeah. right now, when, when I, when I overschedule us, um, I, the fear is right, right mm. there that wow. it's going to be a conflict, and yeah. it wasn't this week. So, so mm. much joy, and uh, your response mm. was so beautiful. Mm. There's definitely anger. I go back to that. You know, the mm. anger of just that no one spoke to us. No one helped us before we were married. No one helped us after we were married. Mm. No one was willing to talk about it. And I think even to this day, there's a lot of people that aren't willing to talk about yep. it. And, yeah, well. you know, the, the shame comes in mm. uh, for me because of others' reaction to me mm. at mm. times, even within my family. Like, I, they feel shame that I'm willing to talk about it, that we're willing to talk about yeah. it. And that, mm. so then I feel that shame. Mm. So, um, 
lonely. I think that um, definitely over the decades of our marriage, and there's been sexual loneliness because I didn't know how to show up for myself. I didn't know how to learn and just express my need. And so definitely Hmm. trying to change that and show up and say, Mm -hmm. I feel sexual loneliness. I need this. Um, Hurt. I I mean, there was a lot, a lot of hurt Mm -hmm. in that arena early, even before we were married, like, and into our early years of marriage. So when we taught, when there's, you know, sex is definitely, there's a hurt. I think just a second ago, Mm -hmm. you called it a, sharp stabbing pain yeah. definitely mm-hmm. a sharp stabbing pain from our yeah. early years of marriage yeah. so i think wow. that was all like amazing mm-hmm. awesome thank you so much for sharing that yeah cool. well we really appreciate you guys being on with us um this is oh. um, Are none of them working? just the computer oh okay yeah. Uh, we had a technical difficulty in the middle, but I think. Did you see my fine. microphone just fall down? <laughs> uh, we really appreciate you guys being on and sharing vulnerably with us uh, and sharing your hearts. And we'll definitely put the link to uh, the um, the master classes in the show notes. And uh, can't wait to talk to you guys again. And hopefully, we'll see you next time you stop by Reading. Yes, love, love you it. guys. Love you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Bye.